0: You know, Aaron Boone would probably put it best as a gut punch. Welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Everyone like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate you all coming back. Also, share this out. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. All the good stuff. So, I originally predicted this game to be somewhat of a blowout for the Giants. And there's definitely good to take away from this, but there's also bad because, well, guess what? This game ended up in a loss. And it's kind of the same story as we've been saying the last few weeks regarding a certain side of the ball. But also, there was a outside factor, I think, that also affected this. And there's also a certain side of the ball that played really well and above expectations, at least from my part. So, um. We're going to obviously do the stat breakdown, offense, defense, uh, snap counts, stuff like that, and then we'll get you guys out of here. I don't think it'll be too long of a show, but again, um, we'll see where we go with this. But again, like, comment, subscribe, do all the good stuff, turn on post notifications, so you know when live stream pops, you drops. So Tyron Taylor got the start, and we'll get into a full breakdown once again when we we'll go on the offense. But stats-wise, 24-36, 200 yards, three sacks taken josh allen 19 to 30 169 yards two touchdowns and a pick no sacks taken giants rushing game 132 yards on the ground which isn't terrible but also saquon barkley had 24 carries for 93 yards that's 3.9 yards per carry which isn't that good i'll get into him once again we go to the offense james cook 14 carries 71 yards 5.1 yards per pop the receiving game darius slayton four catches 69 yards eight catches 62 yards for Wondell Robinson and then Darren Waller five catches 43 yards Jalen Hyatt also got in on the action three catches 21 yards Buffalo receiving game Stefan Diggs 10 catches 100 yards Gabe Davis three catches 21 yards Dawson Knox three catches 17 yards Quinton Morris had a touchdown and so did Deontay Hardy uh, fumbles and turnovers overall so um, Bobby Okereke knocked out the ball from the hands of Gabe Davis, recovered by Michael McFadden. And then Michael McFadden also had an interception as well that went back for about five yards. Take a look at the defense, the lead tackler. Lead tacklers, surprisingly, actually not surprisingly, are Bobby Okereke and Michael McFadden. Okereke had two tackles for a loss, two pass deflections, and 11 tackles michael mcfadden seven total tackles past deflection a quarterback hit and the giants totaled one quarterback hit two tackles for a loss zero sacks now you could take the positive route and say they had 16 pressures but you could also take the negative route and say they didn't get a single hit other than michael mcfadden on the quarterback which you know when your edge is Kayvon thibodeau and you do want to get hits on the quarterback from dexter lawrence and leonard williams you do expect a little bit more and i get it this is A standard NFL offensive line, you know, they're a little bit above above the average level, but I mean, I I would like a little bit more. Again, defense, I thought they did their part in the game, but we'll get into that fully. Defensive side of the ball for Buffalo, lead tackler was Taron Johnson. They actually had three guys who had over 10-plus tackles, Dorian Williams, Terrell Bernard, who's had to step up since the injury to um, Matt Milano, and then Taron Johnson, as mentioned. Uh, Terrell Bernard had three tackles for loss Christian Benford had a tackle for loss two tackles for loss for Greg Rousseau one for Epineza and Leonard Floyd and then also Shaq Lawson they totaled three sacks uh, coming from Floyd Epineza and uh, someone else for some reason ESPN is not listing it and uh, quarterback hits they had five two quarterback hits by Floyd one by Epineza one by Rousseau one by Dorian Williams and i think i might be forgetting somebody yeah, i said williams i said rousseau yeah that's pretty much that so five quarterback hits which again isn't bad considering the circumstances for the offensive line now you move into team stats first downs giants 20 22 for the bills giants had 11 passing first downs 12 for the bills five rushing first downs for the giants seven for the bills giants had four first downs for penalties three for the bills Giants were 10-for-19 on third down. That's a lot of third down attempts. So, oi. 6-12 of on third down. The Bills were... Giants were 1-for-2 on fourth. And the Bills were 0-for-0 because they didn't have to attempt fourth down. Giants had 73 plays. 59 for the Bills. Total yards, 317 for the Giants. 297 for the Bills. You take a look at the red zone attempts. Giants were 0-for-5 in the red zone. Oi. And Buffalo Bills were 2-for-2. Two two. <laughs> that pretty much says it. I mean, you know, they punched it in twice, and the Giants couldn't punch in it at all. And that's not even talking about field goals. That's just talking about straight-up touchdowns. So there's that. Uh, nine penalties for 65 yards for the Giants. Seven penalties for 51 yards for the Bills. They also had two turnovers. And the time possession, 31-24 for the Giants, 28-36 for the Buffalo Bills. So I'm going to get into the smaller takeaways, and then I'm going to get into the bigger takeaway and a little bit more. So I want to start out by giving a shout-out, and again, the offense didn't look great, so there's no reason to like, hey, hey, you know, put up the pom-poms. No, 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 we're not doing that. But I do want to give a shout-out to this guy who came in on short notice and... He played his tail off. That doesn't mean he played well, but he played his tail off. And um, he's really starting to grow on me. That's Justin Pugh now, of course. Some of you remember, Justin Pugh was drafted by the Reese regime. He was not re-signed under Gettleman. And he was brought back because of injuries. and He worked out with the Giants in Arizona. A few weeks later, got signed to the practice squad. And he started at left guard to start the game and then move over to left tackle when Josh Zudu got hurt. And I must say, for the limited snaps he was playing at left guard, he played really well. He played really well. Running game, passing game, stuff like that. Obviously, you know, PFF and some of these other metrics will say that he was bad. And, of course, as a tackle, he played bad. I'm I'm not going to sit here and, you know, walk around it because, yeah, you played against Leonard Floyd and A.J. Epineza. But I think there was a stat out there. I think Lawrence Tynes or somebody else put it out that Justin Pugh has the lowest pressure percentage allowed by a Giants left tackle this year which includes Matt Parrot, which also includes Josh Azudu, of course. Now, am I going to sit here and say uh, Justin Pugh should start at left tackle moving forward? No, because if is okay, you play him, my personal opinion. Or you play Matt Parrot at left tackle, my personal opinion. But also, if they feel comfortable with Pugh, I'm not going to be mad about it because at least he'll know the cadences, he'll know when the ball is snapped, and he'll get a better angle on some of these pass rushers. It's not going to be easy next week going against the commanders but him coming in here i just admire him i really do because again there was something a couple of years ago that he may have talked trash on the giants or whatnot but then he came back and said he wants to play for the giants like he went on pat leonard's podcast and said you know i, I want to finish my career in new york you know i want to do that right and he comes in and when Evan Neal makes those stupid comments, he immediately says, you know, Evan shouldn't have said that. And, and was very much a leader in that area when the Giants didn't have one. You know, Saquon was still out. And, um, you know, Justin Pugh acted like a leader in that situation. And I don't think there's any real leaders in the old line room. Maybe Andrew Thomas, but he seems like a silent leader. He doesn't say a ton of things. Um, but also, Justin Pugh even admitted on his own podcast that he was humbled he was humbled by the amount of practice squad offers he got and not real nfl 53-man roster offers so again in my personal opinion you guys could call this an overreaction but i don't think it will be the giants need to sign justin Pugh to the active roster immediately and they need to start him for the rest of the entire season because it's interesting that a guy off of an acl injury looks better than i would say most of the starters out there now You'd have to do some maneuvering because Bredesen is not good as a center. He's good as a guard. So maybe you shift Bredesen over to right guard or you shift Pugh over to right guard, whatever the case may be. But also Pugh as a right guard, though the Giants fans haven't really seen him there. He's been more of a left guard in his career. Maybe that veteran leadership will help out Evan Neal on the other side. And then when Andrew Thomas comes back, maybe Bredesen on the left side. There's a lot of things you can experiment with, but um, as far as that goes, I'm not going to say it's like, oh, my God, you know, when, when the Giants uh, O-line comes back with Schmitz and Andrew Thomas, you know, it's going to be a top 10 unit. No, but I think there's also positives when they do come back because you have seen, you know, Bredesen's at least a solid guard. Evan Neal is the weak link. Justin Pugh, he played solid at guard. So there's that. And then Schmitz, again, with Justin Pugh next to him, I think that's a veteran there. And then Andrew Thomas factoring in as well. So, you know, is it too late? I think it would be, but at least it gives Evan Neal confidence maybe going into next year and then Schmitz going into his second year, so it helps out a little bit. But uh, if you want to look at like the pressures for the Giants, uh, they allowed 14 pressures on the offensive line. Marcus McKeithen had three, Evan Neal had three, Justin Pugh had three and two sacks, and then the rest were by the rest of the O-line. Um, so there's that. A little bit better play from the O-line, but also as well, if you look at the metrics, they don't look that good. But I'll talk about more of that when we go to the quarterback situation. We move to the receiver situation, so we're kind of moving backwards a little bit. Jalen Hyatt more involved. Darren Waller getting more involved. I mean, Waller was more involved in Miami, period. But Jalen Hyatt get involved. I mean, he made an outstanding catch along the sideline. It was unfortunately uh, not enabled, but it was, it was kind of shooed away by a penalty, which you could argue whether it was a legal man downfield or wasn't a legal man downfield. And that spectacular catch over the middle on 4th and 5, or where was it? 4th and 9. The Giants needed that to move the chains. And Jalen Hyatt, that was just a circus catch. I mean, you know, this is what I'm saying. Get this kid involved. Have him as a deep threat. He has hands. Obviously, there's some route running issues, uh, according to, like, the scouts and stuff like that. But, I mean, Brian Dable said this in the presser, and he's right, but you need to have strength in your convictions to actually go upon what you say and he said the only way we're developing Wandale and Jalen is because is to play them and they need to play more and Wandale has been really good I must say like you know he's not oh my god he's gonna get like 11 yards per catch it seems like it's that at this point but he's kind of like Richie James from last year just better and he doesn't really drop the ball too much obviously he's a stick but hey He's been reliable for Daniel Jones. He's been reliable for Tyrod Taylor. And if any other quarterback comes in, hopefully that's not the case. So we move back a little bit more. Saquon Barkley looked rusty in the first part of the game. You saw the cuts weren't good. Some like up the middle runs were good. But obviously that's not too much of Barkley's style, depending on, you know, where you place him and stuff like that. But um the last two drives proved that his rehab. A little bit faster than some of the other years. Because you saw in 2019, he wasn't back to himself. You saw in 2021, he wasn't back to himself after the ankle sprain. This is his third time with the high ankle sprain. And, you know, how the Giants handled that? Talk about it in another conversation, maybe. But those last two drives where the Giants straight up ran traps. 14-yard gain and then a 39-yard gain. Two straight plays, that's like 53-55 yards right there. That's what put the Giants' offense into the red zone and had them take the lead at nine seven and i think against washington apparently the stats are out there that they're not good against the run of course when i do my research and i do my preview we're going to look into that but if tyrod taylor is still starting and even if daniel jones is starting as well i mean with not a fully functional old line that's the route you got to go It's just run the football time and possession play action when you can run open up the pass so i want to talk about this the Giants haven't scored an offensive touchdown in 12 to 13 quarters. Uh that's obviously not good, right? They haven't had a first half touchdown all year. And it goes down to the lack of execution again because it's no matter who's the quarterback, there's a penalty that, you know, a false start or a holding and it moves them back and they can't get out of those situations. The Giants have to be one of the most bad third down teams. That's a terrible phrase to describe it but the Giants have to be one of the worst third down teams in the NFL compared to last year where they were making some solid conversions this year it's nothing like that so let's go with the sequence of events you have the first half the end of the first half which everybody knows what I'm talking about here you have a point in which is 13 seconds to go they run it up the gut with no timeouts and Tyrod Taylor audible to a run play Tyrod I get it. You saw what you saw in the middle of the teeth of the defense or whatever you did to audible to a run. But 13 seconds is not enough time. If you had 20 seconds, sure. But 13 seconds and they stuff you. I mean, I just don't know how that's more. I would have rather been an open hole up the middle and people be calling out it afterwards. But the Giants get three on that drive and Tyrod just chucks it away and, you know, the Giants take three. So they got no points out of that. And sports radio is hilarious. It really is because you have people like Maggie Gray and some of these other folks coming out here and saying, oh, you know, uh, Tyrod Taylor should not be berated in front of the camera like that by Brian Dable. Well, I mean, he did that to Daniel Jones. Why wouldn't it be right for Tyrod Taylor to get some berating? And this is not a Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor debate. It's just, are we that soft now? Oh, you can't control oh, him in the locker room? It's like, dude, who cares? Like, you're going to see that shit on the sidelines. It's not just going to be all behind closed doors. You're going to see that shit on the sidelines. If Tyrod made a bad decision, Brian Dable has the right to yell at him. Regardless of what we think of Dable's coaching decisions, the same thing is, you know, with Daniel Jones. You have a right to hone your players in. And this is where I blame Brian Dable. Now, I thought there was some very suspicious play calls and also lack of execution on certain plays. The T formation play, they like to run from Penn State. That didn't work on, what was it, the first to the second drive. They had third and one. And the Giants' lack of execution on that play killed it. It absolutely killed it. And they were pretty successful with that most of this year. I think they ran it two or three times. Um, But again, the lack of execution, you could argue a bad play call. I didn't like the Giants running it to the left side on like a couple first and second downs because... It's not just all running on first down or running on second down. No, no, no. That's not the situation. You have Justin Pugh and Glowinski on the left side who have never played together, let alone in practice. I mean, yeah, maybe Pugh played alongside Lewinsky at right guard and right tackle in practice, but that's the left side now we're talking about. So I don't think that was smart. Like, you know, maybe McKethan's not great. Maybe Bredesen's not great in that area. You saw that trap run where Evan Neal's doing his thing. McKethan's doing his thing. Bredesen's doing his thing that's what they should have done maybe earlier in the game now of course they would have figured it out a little little bit sooner but at least like you run to that right side you know it's just terrible execution not just the stupidity of play calling but going back to the dable thing i called this out on twitter and besides the thing in the first half this is what changed the complexion of the game the giants motorboat down the field a couple of conversions whatnot obviously those two saquon barkley runs And again, I'm going to kill Brian Dable for this. Not literally kill him, but I'm going to criticize him. Fourth and inches in the red zone. Your team is one and four. About to go one and five. What is it bad if you run Saquon again, or you convert, or you try for fourth down? It's not fourth and five, it's fourth down and inches you may or may not trust your defense because buffalo likes to get in a groove and obviously they gave up the touchdown that's fine the defense gave up two touchdowns who gives two shits like they this is a top offense in the league and i'm not making moral victories here but i'm just saying like in that situation why did he go for fourth and inches like i don't know if any beat reporter asked him that why would you go for why would you not go for fourth and inches you know when your team has struggled putting it in the end zone all entire season so maybe you run Saquon up the middle. Maybe you do a tush-push. Maybe you do something. That's where the coaching staff has to get better. And I'm that's, that's why I said on Twitter, Brian Dable in that situation was Robert Sala. Because that, in the first half miscue, in my opinion, are the reason that the Giants didn't win this game. Of course, lack of execution on offense and a couple other different plays. But those two plays shaped the friggin' game. And I don't want to hear from giant fans or meme pages, and it's all funny and well that we get these, you know, get the notice. But you could sit here and say, "Well, Darren Waller was held in the end zone, pass interference." Okay, first play, he definitely was. Second play, okay, maybe he was. Number one, they're not throwing the flag twice, because whether you're in the Giant Stadium, you're in the Bills Stadium, whatever the case may be. They're not throwing the flag twice because then it comes down to the refs decided this game, not the Giants or the Bills. So they let the players decide the game. Again, you could say, "Oh, pass interference on Taron Johnson, whatever," and maybe Tyrod could have placed that ball a little bit better. And Darren Waller took accountability, and I like that. But here's the thing, though: you wouldn't be in that position if you decided to go for it on fourth and inches, and if you kicked the field goal at the end of the first half. You wouldn't be in these type of situations. And the the truth is, you don't need the refs to win you a game if you're a good team. And Chris Collinsworth, I believe, said it. You could always point back to Washington last year when the Giants had that P.I. almost call on them, and they didn't. And the refs let it happen. So, again, like, I get it. The refs are terrible. They were terrible in this game, both sides. Hey, I mean, I I can't really, you know... The giants are not a good football team it, it comes down to that it's the truth it comes down to it the giants are not a good football team so um we move to the defense but first let's get into our sponsor that's sea folks um if you guys haven't already used the code please 20 dollars off big blue in the bronx that's your promo code it works for concert tickets so if you're a big swifty or you're going to see beyonce you're going to see somebody okay um If you're going to a concert, if you need parking passes for MetLife Stadium or any other stadium, they work. Trust me. Parking passes are fucking expensive. Get $20 off, it's a breeze. And then also game tickets as well. Fees are a pain in the fucking ass. But guess what? You know what helps? The promo code. Big Blue in the Bronx gets $20 off. So, I'm going to point out two negatives on the defense before going to all of the positives that we saw. The run defense a little bit was shredded by James Cook. He had explosive burst. Uh, his longest was a 14-yard run, but 14 carries, 71 yards, 5.1 yards per pop. That needs to get better, considering the fact that the next two weeks... I mean, I don't know how Washington does against the run, but the Jets rely heavily on Brees Hall, so that needs to get cleaned up. Um, and then, no sacks, one quarterback hit by Michael McFadden. I would like the Giants to get there more. Like, I get it, the pressures were there, they had 18 pressures, that's great. Thibodeau had six pressures. But, again the giants need to get to the passer and pressures are great again it showed up in this game so you can nitpick like i am this time around but they need to they need to hit the quarterback a little bit more at least hit him, you know make an off balance though because sometimes pressures are pressures and josh allen rolls out of the pocket he finds stefan diggs downfield that counts as a pressure but it doesn't count as you know oh my god they stopped him no it counts as a first down um but let's get into the real positives Wanna shout out two guys that really have struggled to begin the year and then they're trying to find their footing and they have. At least as of right now. Bobby O'Karake and Michael McFadden. How many questions, Giant fans, did we have coming into this year about the linebacking core or any linebacker next to Bobby O'Karake? We had legitimate questions. Don't second guess yourself. We had legitimate questions. Week one, I mean you were in a weird situation. Week two, they played horribly. Week three, Michael McFadden played well, but O'Karake didn't. Week four, mixture. Week five, Okarike gets a couple pass tips and an interception. Week six, here we are. Michael McFadden and O'Karake played their tails off, making tackles left and right. Uh, O'Karake had a tip that was a Michael McFadden interception. Okarike took away the middle part of the field. Now, of course, again, a lot of off script plays for the Buffalo Bills, so that's more towards the sideline. But he took away the middle of the field. There was a play that was. Deontay Banks on Stefan Diggs, tipped away by Bobby Okereke. And Micah McFadden, again, doing his thing in the running game. So, shout-outs to whoever the inside linebacker coaches. is. Shout-outs to those two guys, really. And, you know, we'll get to the snap counts as far as how much Isaiah Simmons played. But Micah McFadden, if you're going to sit here and look negatively, and you can, on last year's draft class, the positive you have to take out of it is Micah McFadden being a contributor on this defense. And Bobby Okereke, he seems to be getting into the curve. He's getting into a groove a little bit. And we're going to need that, again, because the Raiders run it a lot. That's the week after the Jets. Um, Let's see what else we got. We got the Commanders at some point there. We got the Cowboys again. So, you know, we're going to need big linebacker playing like we had in this game. And they played an excellent game. They played a Very big part in why the Giants just held them to 14. Obviously, two missed field goals, but again. So, again, 18 pressures. D only had five missed tackles. That's good. That's actually very good because the Giants have been terrible with missed tackles across the NFL. And, you know, Xavier McKinney, I thought, played well. I thought Jason Pinnock played well. I thought some of these other guys played well. The defense played well overall. I can't really say that this guy or this guy had a bad game. Um, I would like Kayvon Thibodeau to set the edge a little bit more. Because there was some of these plays where like they would crash down and then James Cook would just whirlwind around. And that can't happen. That can't happen. I feel like we're having this issue a little bit again, and maybe it's just a matter of fronts uh, on the offensive side of the football where they're a good O-line or something like that. I don't really want to take it down to that. But like Nunez Roches and Jordan Riley were getting pummeled in the middle. And sometimes you would see Dex... You know, double teamed or Leo being taken off the ball in the running game, so that needs to improve. Like, I'm not saying that the Giants' run defense was great. I'm not saying they were good. I'm not saying they were terrible, but there are some you know miscues you need to really, really fix up. And also, I want to know how many pressures Dexter Lawrence had because he was being double teamed. He was being held, and I thought they missed a couple of calls in terms of you know him being held, which again is you know ref ball. It's it's finest, but it's not like the Giants lost the game because of ref ball. And once you blame the refs, you already lost the game. You lost the locker room. You're making excuses. Um but as far as that goes, man, I mean Dexter Lawrence was causing havoc. I want him to get his first sack. at six weeks. He doesn't have a sack. I want him to get his first sack in the next few weeks. I really do, because he needs to get on the stat sheet a little bit more. Um there's two more things I want to point out. And while I'm on the defensive line, I might as well point this out. You know, usually I would critique the defense fighting other players, if um, if they were like losing badly, or if it's a situation they they're just not playing well, they're getting bullied, and they were getting bullied a little in the running game. But I'll I'll take it to this, right? I'll take it to this. The defense had fight and they had grit and they weren't losing badly. They were playing a very efficient game, and it's just like I kind of get where Jet fans, no offense, Bills fans. Even though it is a fence, I kind of get where Bills fans are, com- uh, Bills fans, Jets fans are coming from. It's like the Bills are a dirty team. It's like Deion Dawkins was pulling on the leg of Kayvon Thibodeau, and Kayvon Thibodeau was like trying to kick him like a baby sitting down. And then on the other side, you have Spencer Brown and Dexter Lawrence going at it. Leonard Williams comes in to defend his teammate and pushes Spencer Brown. That's automatically a flag. And then you have Bobby Okereke getting into it, and then Josh Allen going in his face so there's that I mean Josh Allen obviously came and hugged Brian Dable after the game but I would have liked this win a little bit more because of that and also Sean McDermott and Brian Dable newsflash everybody they don't like each other I don't know what it is they don't like each other (laughs) I don't know why maybe it's some coaching disagreements while he was in Buffalo or whatnot um but as far as that goes they just did a little like Pat on each other's backs and then moved along. And then he gave Josh Allen a hug, meaning Brian Daple. So there's that. And also I want to point this guy out and just go to the secondary real quick. Deontay Banks had three attempts on him, one penalty, no completions. Corrito Flott had five uh completions allowed on seven targets, a touchdown, and then Nodori Jackson four completions, four targets, and also had the neck injury, so he was out a little bit. Um I mean, Flott, I'd have to watch a little bit more of his play. I think he's the slot corner from now on. I know he struggled a little bit. But, again, just you know, moving forward, I think Flott should be the slot. He likes the slot. He said it in the presser. But Deontay Banks needs to get his flowers, and I think he needs to start getting recognition. Guaranteed, sometimes he's not on the best receiver, but he locked down Diggs a little bit when he was on him. Uh, some of the times that he was on Jalen Waddle last week, he wasn't getting anything, even though they were attacking Tyreek Hill. Deontay Banks, 25th overall pick. The Giants can feel a little bit more confident going into next year knowing that Banks can cover some good wide receivers. And, of course, you draft him 25th overall to be that corner two or corner one. Maybe they trade a Dory Jackson at the deadline. May happen, may not happen. We'll see what you know they do and whatnot. But um, you feel a little bit better because Banks is actually a corner that seems to be working out thus far. So that's what I have on the defense. Let's go into the snap counts. Okarake, Banks, McKinney, and Pinnock, all 100%. 92% for Tibbs, 90% for Leonard Williams, 80% for Dexter Lawrence, 79% for McFadden and Dory Jackson, 67% for Jihad Ward, 66% for Cordell Flott. The Giants got to call up another edge because Jihad Ward cannot rush the passer. Um, Probably goes to maybe uh, Taman Fox or Oshin Ziminez. 66% 66% for Flott, Raheem Nunez-Roches, 31%, 23% for Dane Belton, 18% for Isaiah Simmons and Trey Hawkins, 15% for Carlos Boogie Basham and Darnie Holmes, um, Jordan Riley, 11%, 10% for Aishon Robinson, 3% for McLeod and Carter Coughlin. I'm surprised he got some play, but then again, he is a linebacker inside and also edge. You look at the offensive snaps, 77 is like the 100% of the snaps Lewinsky, Evan Neal, Justin Pugh, and Ben Bredesen, Tyrod Taylor 2, 92% for Darren Waller, 88% for Marcus McKeithen, 87% for Slayton, 78% for Barkley, 73% for Jalen Hyatt, 60% for Wondell Robinson, 53% for Daniel Bellinger, 23% for Hodgins and Breida, as Hodgins is getting phased out a little bit, Josh Azu, 12%, 1% for Jalen Mayfield, Sterling Shepard, and Eric Gray, Lawrence Kadri 6% also worth noting that paris campbell did not see any snaps and he hasn't been good in a giants uniform very i can't say very underwhelming He's just been underwhelming so what can i take out of this game and moving forward for us giant fans so obviously we're one in five it looks as though the season is over and i've kind of been saying it since the seattle game if you want to believe that the giants can maybe make a run and win some games go ahead and listen i have not fully embraced the tank yet um, you know, if they lose, obviously, you know, for people, it's a win for draft picks. If they win, it's, uh, you know, some of this young core coming together and move, moves into next year, maybe. I know that's very rare because you see a lot with these coaches. They win the, the back end of last year or the following, uh, the prior year, and then the following year, they're garbage. But um, obviously, Dable's coaching for wins. Shane's GMing for wins and trying to get the best guys in here as possible, and I think the Giants will cook up some wins down the stretch once they get guys back, um, whether it's Daniel Jones or not. It's a telling sign that they did bring in Ian Book and Matt Barkley uh, for QB workouts, which is not a good thing because you know Jones is still feeling pain on his the left side of his neck, so you know he's going to be out for a little bit. He's going to be out for a little bit, maybe the entire season. But I think the Giants could cook up some wins against some certain teams. I think the Jets is winnable. Not saying that because of the rivalry i think the pats game is winnable i think the raiders game is winnable um i think the packers game can be trappish for the packers but i'm just pointing out there i'm just pointing it pointing it out that um definitely that the giants can master up some wins now of course it wouldn't do well for the draft picks if you're a tank guy but hey but as you start to see guys get back the defense played well this offense has to get going This offense has to get going. I don't know what it is that maybe Washington struggles with against the pass or against the run. I know Manuel Forbes was out last game. But Saquon Barkley, going to need him in a lot of ways. Going to need Eric Gray in ways. Matt Burita too. And uh, Slayton, you know, he had some good plays, some bad plays against Buffalo. Wondell Robinson's been a big target for our quarterbacks. Uh, Darren Waller, too. And and Jalen Hyatt, again, I'd like to see him a little bit more as a deep threat, and take the top off of the defense, and you know, I'm glad that Tyrod Taylor has taken some risks, right, you know, obviously people were complaining about his missing the flat to Wondell Robinson, but he took a risk throwing downfield, and you know what, I'd rather have that because that's like a punt, rather than just a short yardage interception that's, you know, not much worth of anything, but like, comment, subscribe folks, do all the good stuff, turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops or drops, appreciate you all coming back, Share this out. Use the CQ code five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we'll be back tonight on the YouTube channel with the Phillies D backs game, uh, Thursday, Thursday night football, and more from there. Appreciate you guys. Let's get to 1.6K on YouTube. Share it with your friends. Do all the good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>